Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report. I am Blaine Gilmer. This is Southeastern 14, your home for daily SEC sports coverage. And it is a Monday here, and we're heading into week 11 of college football action, of SEC football action. Can you believe it? The season is flying by, and that's what happens when you have a great product like we do here in the SEC to watch on the field. A lot of exciting games this past weekend, and there's going to be some huge matchups this upcoming weekend. But as we do each and every week, it is time to go through what we learned about these teams. And we're going to start off with Alabama here in just a minute, but wanted to remind you guys that we have a partner here now that we are with the Believe Network. And as a result of that, we're partnered with Bet Online. You can go check out betonline.ag to check everything out over there guys the nba is now rolling and if you want to engage in a little wagering uh whether it's lebron james jimmy jimmy butler whoever's playing over there guys uh whichever team you can see what the lines are you can see what the team totals are all that good stuff head over to bet online as the nba is often rolling this year of course you have nfl and college football uh that are going strong that we're going to be talking about today of course with college football the nhl is in full swing there's so many different sports uh like Step Brothers. there's so many different activities uh, that you can go check things out on over there guys so i'm excited uh to be partnered with bet online and you need to be excited to head on over there check out all your wager wagering news odds trends and predictions uh get everything right at your fingertips either with desktop access or mobile access for every sport at any time head to bet online today to get in on the action don't forget to use promo code believe it's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and guys we are starting with the alabama crimson tide what did we learn about alabama uh in this romp over lsu where they really kind of took over the game uh, middle of the second half there. I think we learned that Alabama did what a good team should do to a team that has a bad defense. Um, Jalen Milrow absolutely took over this game with his legs, 155 yards on the ground, and then he was more than efficient through the air as well. Spread the ball around to different targets. We're seeing an emergence of got different guys in the, in the passing game for Alabama that you know I don't think it's we've learned that it's not going to be a one person does everything yeah there was a couple of games there where Jermaine Burton splashed and he certainly has that ability to, to do that at different points and times but I think this is going to be a more of a death by a thousand cuts type offense that hey we can get it to Kendrick Law here that he's emerging as a guy at different points Amari Nyblack has been been out there and there was one deep target there to Amari Nyblack they didn't connect on uh, Milrow and Nyblack that could have been a huge play as well so I think that's what we're learning here is that this is a Alabama offense that is going to get it done collectively and I think you're seeing Tommy Reese getting very very comfortable with his play calling for Jalen Milrow and giving him options to do things that are going to make him the most successful listen he's not going to uh, stand back there and be you know, Tom Brady and just absolutely, you know, dice people up and and put 
put balls in the perfect place all the time. There are some deficiencies there for him as a passer, but when you combine his ability to uh, extend plays and still look for receivers down the field as he is using his legs, because not all the time does Jalen Milrow tuck it down to just run and, and, you know, he's not just a, a, one read go guy he's going to try to find guys open and he's done that at different points we're drawing the defense up and then putting it over the top of them so i think you're seeing tommy reese jalen Milrow, this alabama offense some other playmakers around it uh, step up a little bit we saw some things out of jam miller uh at running back so that was another you know another little wrinkle there for alabama but listen they they took care of a lsu defense that came in to the the game you know, 13th in the SEC in Russian defense, and they left uh, 13th in the SEC in Russian defense. They they have not been good against the run all year. And also, uh, Alabama did give up two sacks, but one of those was on Milrow for holding the ball too long, so you have to give credit for that offensive line uh, for protecting better um, than they have most of the year. But like I said, I think a lot of that has to do with the LSU defense. Um, the defense for Alabama, uh, listen, players stepped up when needed to. You had to have your best when your best is required. And Alabama found a way to get enough stops against a talented team. Uh, Dallas Turner, there was a lot to talk about the hit. Um, I'm not saying it's not part of football, but, it, you know, you would think with the way the rules have been adjudicated, you know, for the longest time, that seems like it would have been a targeting deal. I'm not saying it was dirty, but that seems like it probably would have been targeting with the hit to the head. But regardless, the guy's just playing fo football uh, full speed. So he goes out there and makes a play. Terry and Arnold continues to play well. I think the biggest thing we learned is, okay, there may be some injuries going forward here for Alabama. So how do they sustain that uh, over these last few games? Uh, you got to see what Dante Lawson and Jalen Key are like this week, early this week. But Alabama, they're a good team. They find different ways to win ball games, and that's what you have to do as you get into November football. Continuing on in alphabetical order, we have the Arkansas Razorbacks. My goodness, our buddy here that watches a lot of the shows and is part of the chat a lot of times, Alex Page, old Unk Street over there, he, uh, he said, hey, he tagged me on Twitter and said, this is a brown liquor game for Sam Pittman, because we all know Sam Pittman says he'll enjoy, uh, uh, he says, I'm not promoting it, I'm not promoting it, but I'll enjoy a cold beer every once in a while. And Sam Pittman um, definitely probably deserved, a, uh, he went out, probably got a little brown liquor after that one, because he needed that win big time uh, in the swamp. And it, I think what we learned is that emotions matter in football. And when guys feel connected to the people they're playing for, they play a little bit better. It's not like uh, Kenny Gatton waved some magic wand over that, over that Arkansas offensive line or, 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 you know, anything different like that. They just had a little bit of a different plan. They believed in what their coach was telling them to do. And they went out and executed better. Uh, when you're able to run the ball efficiently, and, and, you know, break tackles the way that Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson were really for the first time all year, you're going to have success. Um, you know, we learned that, hey, K.J. Jefferson's a uh, – not that we didn't already know this, but he's a special guy. He's a, he can make plays when he needs to. He, he's been a great player for Arkansas, and they finally were able to step up around him and, and uh, make enough plays to help them win that game in overtime. Arkansas could be, you know, they're fighting for bowl eligibility, guys. So they're they're 
that's their third win of the year. They got three games left. Uh, Arkansas plays Auburn at home, which they're a favorite. They've got FIU. They should win that one. So if they they would be going into the Missouri game at home uh, at the end of the year, if should they win those two contests before Missouri with a chance to get bowl eligible. And I know that's not anywhere near the goal for Arkansas, but I think we learned that hey, Sam Pittman uh, still has his his you know, finger on the pulse of this team and, and what they need. And I think they'll play for him. Um, they probably could have been a little bit better defensively to make that an easier win. Uh, now, that's not something we've said a whole lot about Arkansas. Arkansas has played very aggressive um, defensively. And, you know, they were they were still aggressive against Florida, but uh, still gave up a few few plays that you're kind of scratching your head a little bit like, okay, what's what's going on here, allowing Graham Mertz to, to have some success. But overall, just a terrific team win. Um, going on the road in the SEC is never easy, particularly Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the Swamp. So that is, a, that is a big deal there for Arkansas. And, hey, they even lost the turnover battle and still were able to win a game on the road. The big thing there for Arkansas uh, was that they were able to get Florida off the field enough on third down, held them to eight of 17. Um, and then, you know, when you when it comes down to it, guys, their playmakers were just better at the end of the day. Andrew Armstrong with a big performance. Um, and, you know, a couple – they spread it around a little bit. Isaac Tesla had had some good good catches on the day. So they were able to, to find different guys, get different guys involved. I think that's a concerted effort by Kenny Guyton there. So that's kind of what we learned about Arkansas in week 10 of SEC football action. The Auburn Tigers. What did we learn about Auburn? I think we learned that, hey, the passing game is developing. Yes, I know that it's it's Vanderbilt that you played. And I know that uh, Peyton Thorne still didn't get over 200 yards passing, which it seems to be kind of a minimal mark now in college football. But when you talk about things, with this Auburn passing game. It's just nice to continue to see Javarius Johnson get targets and make some plays. Uh, Rivaldo Fairweather make some plays. You know, guys that they're going to need at different points throughout this year because, you know, remember remember now, you've got Auburn who's sitting there at five and four and has an opportunity. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they have an opportunity should they win all these games. They do play that Arkansas team that they're um, – a three-point underdog, too, on the road. And then they play a good New Mexico State team. Um, but those two games, should they win, they'd be sitting there with seven wins going in the Iron Bowl, a chance for an eight-win season. Uh, uh, you know, if you'd have told anybody that over on the Plains, I think going into the year, people would have said, hey, is Hugh Freeze the, the coach of the year? Because that was a absolute mess that he inherited over there. And, you know, that could be, that could be a big deal uh, with a chance to have a, you know, let's say crazy stuff happens over there and, and they upset Alabama run the table here that a bowl game would give you the opportunity um, to play, you know, have a nine win season in year one. That would be quite the launching point for Hugh freeze and Auburn. Now we also learned that, Hey, Jarquez Hunter finally had the game that I think everybody was hoping he would have. Now, you know, Vanderbilt is, you know, worse than LSU when it comes to rush defense and, and they can't really stop anybody when it comes to the run. But I think this Auburn team plays a solid brand of football, especially defensively. They were able to do that again 
on Saturday, and they're going to need to bring that uh, same efficiency, that same hard-nosed play defensively, the ability to not only run the ball but be balanced against Arkansas to have a chance to win on the road. There were some drops by the receiving core, and we're going to need to see that uh, be eliminated from you know from play altogether if you're Auburn. But I think you the biggest thing you take away here is the passing game to uh, develop for Auburn, and I think Peyton Thorne getting more and more comfortable. So can they take that on the road against Arkansas? We shall see. The Florida Gators, Billy Napier. I think what we learned about Florida in that loss to Arkansas is that this roster is just nowhere near what it needs to be athletically. Um, there were times where, you know, Arkansas comes in, comes in there and you're seeing them, you know, hop up early on Florida and then it's back and forth toe to toe. But watching that game, I was like, okay, is this uh which team was supposed to win this game? Which team was favored? Because you can't, you can't really tell. I mean, and this is a Florida program who, yes, I know Billy Napier is recruiting. Well, this is a Florida program for decades guys has had just NFL talent after NFL talent on that roster. Tremendous, you know, edge at, nearly every position and particularly uh the speed the speed categories of of you know wide receiver defensive back uh defensive ends that can get after the passer things of that nature and it has just not been the case for the Florida Gators um in in quite a while honestly uh dating back to I guess about midway through Dan Mullen's tenure here um back when he was the head coach and now Billy Napier is kind of reaping reaping what Dan Mullen sowed a little bit, but also in his own in his own right has not been able to quickly acquire the the talent. And you can do that now through the transfer portal. Um don't forget that. One person he did had did acquire that has played well is Graham Mertz, but even Mertz can't do it uh by himself when that defense is continually giving up big plays, struggling to tackle, struggling to get off the field on third down. So I think we learned that Florida has two things that they have to do. One, I think they have to be patient with Billy Napier because I know that it it's not great right now, and I know that the fan base is not happy with these last two games in particular. However, I don't see how pulling the ripcord on the on the Billy Napier era would do you any favors right now with what you have uh, lined up in the in the recruiting class in 2024. They're number three, depending on where you look, number three in the country um, in recruiting only. You know, Georgia's the only team in the SEC ahead of them um, at number one. So, and they got DJ Lagway, a big time quarterback coming in. But I think it's got to be okay. You got to have a little patience. And if you're Florida, uh, you got to realize you may not make a bowl game this year. Okay. Uh, because you got to go to Death Valley this week at LSU. Then you got to go to Como to play Missouri, a good Missouri team that just went, you know, four quarter bare knuckle fight with Georgia and then you get Florida State who's probably a playoff team at home guys I, I mean I don't see an opportunity for that six win so Florida may miss out on those 15 practices that you get that would have been big for them for some of their young guys um, with Shamar James out on defense we learned that hey they, they struggled to to really fit the run and to to have a little bit of that leadership quality on that defensive side of the ball so I think 
as bad as things are right now, we just learned that Billy Napier's got to improve this roster before next year, and he has to do it in a significant way, especially with that schedule that Florida has. It is absolutely brutal. The Georgia Bulldogs, what did we learn about the Georgia Bulldogs? We learned that this team has resiliency and composure. That is two two things, two of the key principles that Kirby Smart and his team uh, you know, preach all the time. And great teams find ways to win ball games, even when there are components of their game that aren't the best that they've that they've got to bring to the table each and every time. I would think you I think you would, you know, ask Kirby Smart, okay, how what are some things that if you could inject some true serum in, serum into him and say, hey, what is what are some of the things you need to work on? And I think it is, you know, defending the, the run on the edge and, and and setting the edge and not getting reached, not losing contain, things like that. That happened again. It happened in the Auburn game earlier this year. Cody Schrader was able to hurt uh Georgia on that the stretch play, the outside zone a little bit there. So uh, but overall, they were able to hold down Luther Burden after that touchdown catch early. And I think you see Georgia having young playmakers emerging now. And you'll have to have so on defense. Julian Humphrey um, played really well at corner. Of course, Kamari Laster followed Luther Burden all over the field and really did a good job on him there. And I think you'll see that the same stuff out of him against Trey Harris this week. But Julian Humphrey. Uh, played well. Dalen Everett, I think, has got to got at times uh, loses a little. You know, he's just a step behind and loses a little bit in, in man coverage, but he's still a really, really good player. And I think all three of those guys together are a good uh, conglomerate or a mix at corner, especially if you get a pass happy team. But overall, I think the biggest thing we learned is that Carson Beck is just so so steady, guys. I mean, there's just no way. It, you can seem to to rattle him, and even Missouri got to him three times in the game, which was half of the total that he'd been gotten to the entire year. Georgia still leads the SEC even after this game with only nine sacks allowed. Carson Beck just seems unflappable. I mean, he's able to, you know, make the right decisions. He's able to value the football and get it to the hands of his playmakers. And right now, Land McConkey is target numero uno that he is looking for out there um, and able to to get the ball to him quite often. Lad continues to make plays. Dominant Lovett, Ra Ra Thomas uh, were right up there. It had the most snaps of, of any receivers for Georgia snap count-wise, so they're getting more and more experience, getting more trusted. Oscar Delp had a tremendous game. I think what we learned is this Georgia offense is, is balanced. This Georgia offense has – multiple playmakers that you can rely on in key situations and the defense you know steps up and makes plays when they're required and shut down uh, you know in the large part of the day um, what Missouri was trying to do especially when it got down the red zone Missouri got down the red zone three times only walked away with 14 uh, points Georgia got down to the red zone five times and had 27 points in those situations so there's the difference in your ball game right there I think if you're talking about um, this Georgia team, I think they're getting, continuing to get better. I think they're getting healthier. They're getting some guys uh, like Amarius Mims that's going to be able to come back soon. Rob Bowers is progressing slowly but surely, and I think you'll see him back sooner rather than later for Georgia, possibly even for that Tennessee game. So we learned that the champs continue to find ways to win football games, and they're doing uh, a fantastic job 
of being able to just continue to put one foot in front of the other as they march toward a third opportunity of winning uh, a, th a third straight national championship for the Bulldogs. Kentucky, guys, the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, they continue to play well on the offensive side of the football. Not great, but they play well. Uh, and especially on the road, I think Ray Davis, uh, you know, ran hard, not his most productive game, but I really like what Liam Cohen was able to do with the tight ends in the run game, being creative. Uh, they showed off a lot of toughness and athleticism. Those guys pulling around, Kenneth Horsey was back in that game. So I think that gives you an added boost on the offensive line. But Devin Leary, I thought Devin Leary, you know, there's an old saying, you can't go broke making a profit. Uh, so I think he wasn't, you know, lights out in this game, but he put the ball in the right places and didn't uh, put it in harm's way. No turnovers on the day for him in terms of intercept interception. So I think that's a big deal. Uh, staying clean on the road and being able to get the ball to your playmakers in Tavion Robinson, especially had a, had a big day, Barry Brown. I had a couple of nice plays. I liked the mix that Liam Cohen had, whether it was some of the 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 end arounds or the shallows or or even being able to design some misdirection in the passing game. Rolled Devin Leary one way, had a receiver break the other, really crossed up a a safety in the middle of the field early in that game. So I thought there was some nice design by Liam Cohen. The defense plays uh, tough as nails. Of course, they they shut down a offense that was totally uh, inept and that's what they should do as a good as a good defense they should be able to shut things down and not allow any you know any life over there on that side of the ball when you have a team that you are better than so Kentucky continues to uh, play that that Mark Stoops brand of football where they're going to play tough defense they're going to be efficient on offense and now they've got to try to hope that uh, Devin Leary can replicate some of the performance that he had against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago against Alabama because it's going to be tough to just line up and run the ball on on Alabama so you got to hope that they, that Kentucky uh, is able to play well in terms of being able to spread the ball around convert on third downs and keep Alabama's offense off the field because even as good as that Kentucky defense is, we know how talented Jalen Milrow is and, and can run around and do some things. Home game for them. It's a noon game, so maybe they'll catch Alabama sleeping a little bit. But uh, listen, Kentucky's right there, um, you know, wanting to do some some things that they, they, they still have a chance for a 10-win season if they were to win this out and then win a bowl game. So, uh, you know, if you're Kentucky, you got to – Got to continue to chip away here as you roll throughout the rest of this 2023 season. LSU, we found out that, hey, like we said earlier, that defense just does not have the ability to make enough stops to keep them in ball games against good to great teams somewhere in that scale. Um, you know, they they were able to, to sneak by on the road earlier this year against Missouri after getting down big this game they they got down and they were toe-to-toe -to -toe, but too many missed tackles uh too many you know too many just blown assignments there Jalen Milrow running wild on you and they got physically whipped up front in this game Alabama was pushing them around most of the time listen we all know what Jaden Daniels is we all know what the offense is for LSU they're dangerous but guys you can't expect them to go out and have to score every single time. It has to be a complimentary 
you know, it has to be complimentary there with the, the defense, and the defense just wasn't able to stop the run. They weren't able to get enough stops, and when it comes down to it, that just puts so much pressure in one turnover, uh, like the deal with the, the, the tip pass that Alabama, you know, caught that deep in LSU territory and then was able to, to punch it in. Once you get down two scores in a game like that, where it seems like, hey, whoever whoever had the ball last was going to go. But once you get down two scores in there and Jaden Daniels goes down with a, with an injury, I think it just sucked all the life out of the LSU Tigers. Listen, they're a good football team, but Brian Kelly said it after the game. Good is not what is not what you're trying to achieve here. Um, this is a this is a program that considers itself a title contender year in and year out, and that is out the window now for them. And they have to regroup and and they're going to welcome in a Florida team that, like I said, that is going to be desperate uh, to try to get to bowl eligibility. But they get a night game. They get to play in front of those rowdy fans there uh, in Death Valley. So you know, who knows? Is it going to be Garrett Nussmeyer? If it is, even more important, why? You know, although Garrett Nussmeyer is immensely talented and and has more than enough talent to to lead them to a victory over Florida, in my opinion, you're still going to need to see the defense step up and play uh, capable football over there, and and just not have so many missed tackles and so many uh, blown assignments. Now it's going to be a little bit easier with a quarterback and Graham Mertz that can't run uh, like Jalen Milrow can. But I think we just learned that hey, defensively. I don't know if uh, Brian Kelly's going to say he needs to make a change for Matt House after the year or whatever's going on over there, but they're too talented to be playing that poor defensively and to get whooped up front like that. All right, the Missouri Tigers. I think you just got to give a big tip of the cap to Eli Drinkwitz and company. They are double tough. I mean, they came in there, were able to run that that stretch play, that outside zone. They scheme you up really, really well. Sometimes they'll go 10 personnel with one running back and zero tight ends, have four receivers on the field, make you think, hey, it's going to be a, a, a spread look here. They're going to they're going to uh you know, throw the football down the field. And then here comes Cody Schrader running full speed just outside of the tackle. And they've got a uh, tremendous left side of that offensive line that really had its way over there uh, against Georgia at different points in that ball game. Brady Cook's legs are a weapon as well. We learned that this Missouri Tiger team is capable of playing with anybody in the country. That's what we learned because I think Georgia is the best, most complete team in the country, and you saw Missouri go toe-to-toe at their place with them. And Eli Drinkwitz, I think, deserves a lot of credit for what he did in this preseason. We've really seen, okay, now when he brought Kirby Kirby Moore in and he let him be the, the, the offensive play caller, and Eli Drinkwitz was able to take a step back and focus on the getting the – the pulse of this team, knowing when to do certain things um, and being able to be involved in more aspects and, and, and be deeper integrated into this program. I think you're seeing the the fruits of that labor uh, come forth this fall. And he's a guy who got an extension last year and now it proves that it's well-deserved. He's able to, to lead this team quite effectively. I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about the Missouri defense, they – Put a lot of guys in the box. They played aggressive. They said, we're going to try to stop the run game. We're going to play man coverage on the outside with Enos Rakestraw and Chris Abrams drain. And they they played tough. They played tight on those those receivers and forced Georgia to earn that victory. Uh, they weren't going to just give anything away. So I think Missouri continues to be a great 
story here, even though they fell a little bit short in Athens. Now the challenge for them is to, okay, not let that Georgia team beat you twice, whether that's physically with, you know, trying to recover from a physical matchup or also uh, mentally and emotionally because Eli Drinkwood said it hurt because those guys put a lot into this game, especially with a bye week coming into the game to really prepare and scheme up for Georgia and get a get a just rock solid game plan ready against the Bulldogs. So I think now we, we're going to learn, okay, as they go back to Como to take on a talented Tennessee team that honestly is quite similar to them. Two teams that if they if you if you give them their druthers, they're going to try to run that thing first and establish the run and play play very active and aggressively on defense. So two teams that mirror each other a lot. Now we're going to see just how ironclad, how strong is that culture that Eli Drinkwitz built? Because anybody can you know have their full attention on on a game uh, with a bye week and stuff like that. But after you lose, how do you respond to adversity? We've seen Missouri respond well uh, after they lost to LSU earlier this year where they went on the road and beat Kentucky and then beat South Carolina at home. Now, how will they respond to this Georgia loss? I predict that they'll, they'll respond well, but it's going to be a tough, tough matchup against a talented Tennessee team as things go forward. Now let's talk about Mississippi State. Uh, guys, I just watched the the, the film of, of Mississippi State and Kentucky over again, and people just get lost in the secondary at times, and, and there's there's literally nobody around, whether it's nobody carrying a, a shallow or, or dropping out of the flat on the other side um, and letting guys like Barry and Brown or Tavian Robinson run with it or getting lost in the middle of the field on a, on a zone coverage, you know, rolling, rolling yourself out of the play. Things like that, I think the secondary has to improve. I think they're really tough and play really hard up front. Sometimes they misfit gaps, and even as good as Boogie Watson and Jet Johnson are, continue to have some some misfits uh, on the run game, a lack of a gap integrity, particularly against the gap scheme, um, which they're very good at the gap scheme, so that's why they, they struggled with it, did Mississippi State a little bit. But then also offensively, guys, without – Woody Marks and without Will Rogers, it's just tough to say, okay, what is the identity of this Mississippi State offense and how do they put up points on people? And I, I you know, Will Rogers says he's going to play in the Egg Bowl, even if his arm falls off. So, you know, encouraging that he's determined to get back for this team. But with Woody Marks not there running the ball and with Will Rogers out, Mike Wright just doesn't have a great command of this offense. Like I said, I don't think they have a true identity when he's in there at quarterback. They've struggled uh, at offensive line a lot this year. So, you know, I think it's just got to be, okay, can Zach Arnett, much like uh, Billy Napier, can he get an influx of talent this offseason to help things on the offensive side of the ball? That will be the tale that tells the tale for – or for Mississippi State. But speaking of Ole Miss, which I almost said right there, Ole Miss uh, just continues to do what they need to do um, in preparation for getting ready for a huge game with Georgia. Now, listen, it wasn't pretty against Texas A&M, but good teams continue to find ways to win ball games. Like I said, even when you don't have your best at certain elements of time, Georgia has done that this year. Alabama has done that this year. Ole Miss has done that this year. And they did not play 
their best defensively. They let a whole lot of just easy access, open throws, guys not being in the right spots at different times, and and whether it was simulated zone pressures or whether it was man coverage, just not you know having their eyes in the backfield, not not having their eyes on their on their key and getting to the right spot. They'll pressure you on defense. Ole Miss will pressure you on defense, but I just think that uh, at times they they lose gap integrity far too often. They get gashed in the run game, and they allowed a Max Johnson team, a Max Johnson-led offense with no Evan Stewart on the day to rack up over 300 yards passing on you. I think it's uh, that's a little bit concerning if you are – Ole Miss now the too many penalties too I think some penalties hurt you in that game against Texas A&M and actually allowed the opportunity for that field goal to take place instead of a touchdown um, early on or it would would have been 21 nothing and then that field goal gets blocked and then you got a game on your hands after that totally totally changed the complexion of it but offensively Jackson Dart and Trey Harris are a tremendous duo uh, Trey Harris has just really established himself as a go-to guy there for Ole Miss and for Lane Kiffin to have and target he'll, I'm sure he'll get a head-to-head matchup with Kamari Laster this weekend in a night game against Georgia uh, two very talented guys that will find themselves making a lot of money in the NFL uh, sooner rather than later so when it comes down to it uh, Quinshaw Judkins, Ulysses Bentley are one of the best one-two punches in the country at running back. Two very, very talented guys. Um, the offensive line is able to to play well inside of Lane's scheme there. Um, and I think Jackson Dart, like I said, he's he's a tough quarterback. Took a couple big hits in that game and was still able to get up and and be productive and, and help his team and show show a lot of guts and a lot of intestinal you know fortitude coming back there at the end where they could have folded and said, well, you know, this is this then this is a game that that Ole Miss you know typically loses of being uh you know a favorite and then finding one to to fall down in during the season but they stood up they went down they made that drive and then they got to stop so you got to give them credit uh on you know they got to stop when they needed to defensively and the offense was able to play well under pressure so we know Ole Miss is a talented team how are they going to play in a road environment against a really good football team they failed to do that well against Alabama Earlier this year, they've had a couple other games on the road where it's been uh, it's been hit or miss a little bit for them in their performance. I think defensively they left a lot to be desired, but at Tulane earlier this year was a little rough. Alabama, of course, they they, they didn't play well in the second half, and then the the Auburn game was a little slow for them. So another road environment. We'll see how they do. But Jackson Dart, Gwenshaw Judkins, Ulysses Bentley. Uh, Trey Harris, Caden Prescorn, a lot of weapons on that offense. But I think we learned that, hey, this defense has still got to step up a little bit. Uh, but we also learned that everything's still out in front of Ole Miss. So we'll see where it goes from there. The South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, Shane Beamer and company survive against Jacksonville State. Yes, survive against Jacksonville State. The battle of the Gamecocks was a Mm, it was a uh, it was a rough one to watch. Uh, turning over on there, South Carolina uh, didn't run the football very well. Um, they didn't help out uh, help out Spencer Rattler a, a ton. We know that offensive line has has struggles. Uh, Spencer Rattler did a lot of this, you know, himself being able to go twenty seven of thirty eight. Uh, like I said, they didn't didn't run the football well. Less than a hundred yards rushing on the day. For South Carolina, 6.3 yards per play. They're okay, but four of 14 on third downs, guys. And that's a byproduct of 
not being great on first and second down and putting yourself in in third and medium to third and long situations that are harder to convert. A, a listen, a, a good, a well coached Jacksonville State team where Rich Rodriguez over there and they had a, a talented, talented quarterback. Um, that I think if he'd have stayed in the game, that could have been a little bit different as well. He, he got he got hurt, had to come out for a little bit uh, there. So, listen, South Carolina, a win is a win, right? And and Shane Beamer says they're going to celebrate it um, and gonna gonna have a lot of lot of fun off of it. But my goodness, uh, I think that South Carolina fans are just so tired of this uninspired level of play. A lot of times, especially against even impo- opponents who should be viewed as inferior to you, but they played pretty dang well against South Carolina and had a, had a lot of, uh, had a lot of, and you know, moments where you, this game was actually in doubt. So I think again, just like with Florida, just like with Mississippi state, South Carolina has to do better with acquiring some talent, especially getting people or on, on both of the lines of scrimmage that can dominate ball games. They're doing that on the defensive side. They're doing that on the offensive side in the class of 2024. Even though they're 10th in the SEC recruiting rankings, they're in the top 25 in the country. I think they need to be aggressive in the transfer portal this offseason, especially getting some proven linemen if there are any out there because that's a tough deal because usually if you're a really good lineman, you don't find yourself in the in the portal but we'll see if there's any out there that they can hit on this year to give them not only some depth but just some 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 toughness over there guys because they have been whipped a lot of times on the offensive line um so we'll see feels like the honeymoon's wearing off for shane beamer to me it feels like uh people are starting to you know expect more quickly and uh, we'll see how this season finishes out here for south carolina they have vanderbilt kentucky and clemson all at home so an opportunity to have that williams Bryce stadium crowd behind you and get things going there if you are south carolina but we learned that hey uh there's a big talent gap between south carolina and the rest of the sec right now tennessee uh the tennessee volunteers hard to learn much against uconn okay uh they did what they were supposed to um i think tennessee's just a, a football team that's continuing to to improve okay i think they bounced back well against a kentucky team after the the alabama loss and played well on the road and then now you had a, a blowout win over uconn and they get to go on the road again to face missouri now uh joe milton you know did we need to the defense uh, provided a, a lot of you know spark over there for tennessee I think we just learned that, hey, when Josh Heupel and company are able to get the run game going, uh, they can get explosive explosive plays off of it, even if it's against an uh, inferior opponent here. It's nice to see Joe Milton you know, connect on some deep balls to some guys. So Tennessee did what they were supposed to do. Now can they take what kind of the approach that they did against Alabama, starting fast on the road against Missouri, but finish that game? We shall see. Can they get Jalen Wright going early? That will be an interesting, interesting deal to watch. Texas A&M, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher and company guys. They just uh, they continue to fall short, uh, just a just a little bit short, guys. They're 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 right in a lot of these ball games, but I don't know. Uh, I I don't know what to say about the slow starts. I don't know what to say about how they just don't compete at different times. Um, 
defensively, but then they'll pick it up and play gangbusters for different spurts of, of the game. Uh, you know, Shamar Turner losing his cool and going WWE, uh, you know, you know, nut shot on a guy and then trying to punch him in the face and all that kind of stuff wasn't great as well. Um, so he gets ejected from the game and that's tough for them as now they'll have to be, be without him, uh, for the next game. So, you know, it, it's just, it's a ridiculous deal over there under Jimbo. It seems like if it's not one thing, it's the other, the offense, uh, you know, produced against the Ole Miss team, but they didn't produce consistently enough. And they were, like I said, they started the game off real slow. They should have been down 21, nothing, but it just seems like when you watch the offense there, it just seems like it's such a struggle to get things going. And, and it looks like they're moving in molasses. I mean, it is just, everything is slow motion. Max Johnson takes a long time. It seems like to deliver the football. So I think, you know, you've got to find ways to, they brought in Bobby Petrino, brought in him to call plays. I'm not sure play calling is the issue. I think it's the execution of how they're doing things. And also, being able to, you know, get guys that the one thing I do think they could do is design some things to hit a little bit quicker and get the ball out to the perimeter in their playmakers' hands a little bit more. Cause we know when you get it to guys like Jade Walker, when you get it to guys like Anaya Smith, um, they're able to they're able to do things with it. Uh I think we learned that hey, the offensive line was able to get a little push for the first time uh this year and be able to run the football uh well, which Texas AM hasn't done great this year um but overall guys we just learned i think that texas a&m is a far cry from where it should be as a program with all the talent they have on that roster you have to find ways to be able to win uh, even when things aren't going 100 percent uh your way and they just cannot do that especially on the road under jimbo fisher vanderbilt uh plain and simple carkley and company just can't compete uh, with SEC teams with the level of talent that they have. Um, the administration is going to have to step in and help Vanderbilt, allow them to bring some guys in. Uh, I don't know if that's possible to do with their academic standards or what, but they're going to have to make it easier for guys to come in via the portal, and they're going to have to uh, continue to kind of chip away and try to find diamonds in the rough, so to speak, there on the on the uh, not only on the transfer portal, but out of the high school ranks that they can develop and hopefully develop quickly. Uh, they got listen. They're they're investing in the football team with the construction and all that kind of stuff, uh, new facilities. So you got to have some players put in there to match it if you are Vanderbilt. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in here to the SEC Morning Report. This has been uh, a what we learned Monday on every SEC team as they have played here throughout. Uh, week 10 and now we head into week 11 so i'm excited to watch all these matchups coming up this week likes notifications thank you so much for being a part of our community here in the chat and everything else uh, we have live shows that go that go live every day with chris lee gavin schoenwald uh, i have a live show wednesday nights with no sean marino tavares king there's so much content here Blake Lovell are going to be doing basketball stuff and getting going. So, like I said, thank you for tuning in. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Remember, we are presented by Bet Online. You can get all the details in, in the description. And uh, we will catch you guys tomorrow morning to talk more SEC football right here on Southeastern 14. <laughs>